after the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 138, stanzas 2 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you, boys and girls, the Catechism says that all things come by God's fatherly hand. And there is nothing that is not under his control, including evil things and even the devil himself. You cannot attribute any occurrence or action, no matter how small or great, no matter how good or evil, apart from God's fatherly hands. You cannot attribute anything to anyone at all except to God. That's difficult for us to deal with. And that was especially difficult for Job after the horrible things that happened to him. Job tried to make sense of it all. Why does that evil come upon him? What has he done to deserve this? Indeed, that's an old age question. That's an age-old question. Mankind has been struggling with that question for as long as evil has existed. Why does evil come here on this earth? The Catechism deals with that age-old question in Lord's Day 10. And as it always does, it bases its answer on God's Word. It's a beautiful answer, and we've heard it before. But we need to hear it again and again. We need to hear it so that once again we can stand in awe of God and his greatness. For behind everything is an almighty and merciful and wonderful God who controls everything for our good. That's what we will deal with this afternoon. I've summarized this Lord's Day as follows. Everything is controlled by God's hand. And we will first see man's struggle with this, and then secondly, God's answer to this. Everything is controlled by God's hand. First, man's struggle. Suppose you were an elder, and you had to make a visit to Job, right after the disaster that had come upon him. He had just lost all of his children in one fell swoop, and on top of that, he lost all his possessions one by one. And then Job also becomes terribly ill with unseemly boils all over his body. What would you say to him? How would you handle such a visit? What would you say to him, especially after the bitter and angry words that we hear him utter in chapter 30 of the book of Job, the passage that we read together? Would you then rebuke him? Would you agree with his wife who said earlier that now everything is hopeless and that he has nothing to live for anymore? What would you say? Well, hopefully you would first carefully listen to what Job had to say. An elder who comes with his own agenda will do little or no good. Another, an elder who does not know how to listen will on the basis of his own preconceived ideas, make certain assumptions and address the person accordingly. He will easily jump to conclusions and come with useless advice. It may well be that he says a lot of good and biblical things, but they will have 
little or no value to the person you try to help. You have to try to be on the same wavelength as the other person. Let's try to do that with regard to Job. What exactly is he saying? It's actually quite shocking. He says, terrors overwhelm me. He blames God for that, for he says further, in his great power, God becomes like clothing to me. He binds me like the neck of my garment. He throws me into the mud, and I am reduced to dust and ashes. We can understand that Job is quite distraught about what has happened to him. He had lost everything that is near and dear to him. There was nothing left. And he did not even have his wife or his friends on the same wavelength as him. They said things that were less than helpful, and they were hurtful even. Instead of making things better, they made things worse. They said that these things must have happened to him because there was something wrong with Job personally, that somehow he deserves it. They do not come with anything specific, but they come to that conclusion from the circumstances that he finds himself in. And they think that it must have been some kind of secret sin that he had committed. Job, however, dismisses his friends. One thing he does agree with, however, is that it is all God's doing. He does not look for an answer anywhere else. He does not look at other circumstances. He doesn't look at what other people have done to him. No, he is convinced that God is the one who is behind it all. And for that reason, he bitterly complains to God. He says, you turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. Job is angry at God. He doesn't understand why this is happening to him. He is not any greater sinner than anyone else. As a matter of fact, he tried his best to lead a godly life. He did his best to bring up his children in the fear of the Lord. He did his best to keep God's commandments and to worship him as he required. He was faithful to his wife. He even says in the following chapter that he made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at other women. And so why is this now happening to him of all people? Why does God smite him in the way that he does? But Job does more than complain to God. He even accuses him. He can't understand why God doesn't help him. He says, that's what I did. Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? The implication is that God is less compassionate than man. Job says, I help others who are down and out. How come you don't? Why are you so merciless, O God? Indeed, brothers and sisters, that's the accusation you will find often from people from the world. They believe that they are more compassionate than God. For how could God create such a world where there is so much pain and where there is so much suffering? Why doesn't he help? Why does he let it all happen? 
How can you believe in a God like this? And they laugh at our confession in Lord's Day 10, which states that he is the one who upholds heaven and earth and all creatures. They say, if that's true, then I want nothing to do with such God. If that's true, then he's a cruel God. He has no compassion. We people have more compassion than he does. At least we care. God doesn't care at all. I will not worship such a God. Thankfully, brothers and sisters, Job does not go that far. He does not reject God. But he does question him. And he is not the only one who does that. Read through, this, through some of the Psalms and the accusations that we find there. Asaph, for example, also accuses God. He observes the lives of unbelievers. He saw their prosperity and the fact that they had no struggles in their life. They can do whatever they want and even curse God while doing it. And yet God does not touch them. He says in verse 14 and 13 of Psalm 73, All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. Surely in vain I kept my heart pure. In vain I have washed my hands in innocence. And in Psalm 22, David cries out, the verses 1 through 2, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I am not silent. And please know that in so doing, these men, they fully affirm the existence of God. The question that God doesn't exist doesn't even come up in their minds. It doesn't even enter their minds to think that God is not behind all the bad things that happen to them. They know and they are fully convinced that God rules all things. They are fully convinced that He, in spite of it all, is in total control. And they know that nothing escapes His attention. And it is for that reason that they also do address God because they know that he is in control of all things. And so what would you say to Job when you visit him in the midst of his misery? What would you say to him now that you have heard him out? No doubt you would sympathize with him and say that you cannot imagine the kind of pain that he is suffering, that it is terrible what happened to him. In your conversation, you would likely gently rebuke him that he should not be so angry at God and blame him for everything. No doubt you would remind him of God's love and that God himself is very sad that these kinds of things do happen. And perhaps in your visit you would also open your Bible and show him from the Bible how merciful God is and how he takes care of his creatures, how nothing can separate us from his love. And then you would pray with him and ask the Lord to put a right spirit within him. Perhaps you would even ask the Lord to forgive Job for his complaints and his accusations. But what do you think? Do you think that Job would be comforted with those words at that moment? Do you think that all of a sudden he would feel better? Would he suddenly stop complaining about his plight 
Would your words convince him that he does not have the right to complain? That instead he should thank God? Brothers and sisters, if we do not have the right to speak to God about our plight, to whom then could we speak? To whom then would we be able to send up our complaints? Who do you think would really understand you? Your wife? Your husband? Your minister? Your elder? Your friend? Who would ultimately be the one who can help you out of your misery? Can anybody here on earth actually help you, truly help you? You see, there's only one who can, and that is God. There's only one who can answer you. Some people have to suffer much. To suffer in childhood because of the abuse at the hands of a parent or a sibling or another relative or a friend of the family. I think of those who have been sexually or emotionally or physically or even spiritually abused. What do you say to such a person? That they cannot cry out to God and ask him to answer them? Sometimes we need to express our anger and dismay to God. And then we must know that God does not turn us away. And therefore, we also have to direct others to address God in the midst of their problems. For God will answer. And we see that the Lord God also answers Job. He heard every word that Job spoke. And now in chapter 40, we read that the Lord God speaks to Job out of the storm and that he answers him. The Lord God comes with his answer starting in chapter 38. He says, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? He says, I was there from the very beginning. I am the one who made it all happen and I have never left. I have always been there, and I always will be there. And I know everything that goes on here on this earth. There is absolutely nothing that escapes my attention. And so we see that the Lord God takes full responsibility for everything that happens. He does not hide behind anyone or anything. He does not distance himself from Job's problems either. He does not shift Job's attention away from him. On the contrary, he wants Job to look right at him, at who he is. Job has to look God right in the eye, so to speak. That's hard. In times of trouble, we would rather not have God in the picture as the one who allowed it to happen. We would rather have him removed from our troubles. We would rather not have a God who permits all the disasters and misery and pain and evil here on this earth. And we do not want him connected to our illnesses, to our family problems, to our pains and sufferings. We want a God who is responsible mostly for the good things and not the bad things. But God does not want to be removed out of the picture. 
especially not when you are in the midst of troubles. He doesn't mind that you engage him and that you question him. He doesn't mind that you cry out to him and challenge him to give you an answer. You can bring your complaints to him and come with your protests. He will accept that from you. For he also accepts that from Job and from others like David and Asaph. They dare to interrogate God as to his justice and mercy and compassion. But after your complaints to him, you had better also listen when he answers you. There's a time for speaking, but there's also a time for listening. As we saw this morning, the Lord God is patient with you. He is patient with you so that you can understand who he is and so that you can bring everything into a proper perspective. And make no mistake about it, God does listen to you. And David says in Psalm 38, verse 9, All my longings lie open before you. O Lord, my sighing is not hidden from you. He hears your sighs. He knows your pain even before you utter it. He listens like no other. But he also gives you answers. He spoke to Job directly, but he doesn't need to do that with us. For he has given us all his answers in his wonderful book in the Bible. Study that book, and he will speak to you. Don't speak to the Bible yourself. Don't come with your own ideas, but let God's word speak to you. And don't make a caricature of God. Don't make up your own answers. That's what a lot of people do. In one of his books, C.S. Lewis told the story of a wise barnacle that was sitting down at the bottom of the ocean attached to his rock. One day, in a moment of mystical enlightenment, he got a glimpse of what man is like. So he gathered around him his barnacle disciples and began to expound upon the nature of man. He said, man has no shell. Man is not attached to a rock, and man is not surrounded by water. As time went on, a few of the barnacles got some idea of what man was like. They soon began to rationalize that since man had no shell, he must be a shapeless blob of jelly. Since man was not attached to a rock, it was quite obvious that he had no location where he lived. And since man was not surrounded by water, as they were, it was reasonable to assume that man did not eat, since he had nothing to float food to him. The barnacles therefore concluded that man was far less active and important than they were. From their viewpoint, from their environment and nature, they had extrapolated an extremely limited and warped concept of man. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to our view of God, we are like those barnacles. And so before we open our mouth as we comfort someone with regard to their pain and sorrow, and then we had better come with a true picture of God as he has revealed himself in his word. Then we had better come with the comfort of God's word. Only God 
can truly comfort you. Someone who is in the midst of despair does not need our criticism. He does not need to be, to be made to feel guilty. He or she does not need to be told that he cannot bring his complaints to God. You can, but listen to God. Let God speak. As soon as Job heard God speak, he realized what an imbecile he is. He realized how small he is compared to God. He said, I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. And then God puts him to the test. He questions Job. He says, do you have difficulty with my justice? Are you going to condemn me so that you can justify yourself? Tell me, do you have an arm like God? Can you speak out of the thunder? If you can, then clothe yourself with glory and splendor and honor and majesty. And then you can deal with all the proud men and women here on earth and unleash your anger against them. If you are able to do that, then I will also admit that you can save yourself. In other words, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have the total picture. I am the one who made it all, says God. You are totally dependent on me for everything. And you cannot save yourself. You are totally helpless without me. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God wants Job to see how almighty and majestic and great God is who is the creator of all things. Are we going to question him? And he wants Job to trust him. And he wants you and me to do the same. When we see the pain and sorrow that his life can bring, when we see and hear about the many calamities and disasters all over the world, then sometimes we may question where God is in all this. We wonder about his mercy and compassion. But know that the Almighty God is still in control and that only He can save you. Only He can save this world. And He does. The end of the world is coming. But it is coming in His time. Job was eager to hear God's voice. In his eagerness, he became impatient with God. He wanted immediate relief from his terrible condition. And that's understandable. But sometimes God makes you wait. He makes you wait so that you learn to hear his voice. He makes you wait so that he can teach you patience. A wise minister was once asked by one of his parishioners to teach him how to be patient. For this man had a great difficulty with that virtue. And so the minister said to him that they should pray the Lord together for patience. And then he began praying to God by asking God to bring all kinds of disasters upon this man and all kinds of calamities worse than Job. And then after that prayer, the man said to the minister, what was that all about? I don't want all kinds of trouble in my life. I just want to know how to be patient. Well, says the minister, you can't learn patience without suffering and uncertainty. 
There is no shortcut. You have to learn to trust in God. And through it all, you will also learn that. And you will understand how He will carry you throughout your whole life. He will carry you in His arms. And you will learn how much He cares about you. Last week, we dealt with God not only as our Father, but also as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, God could not be our Father except through the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is anyone who can answer your questions, it is he. For he himself walked here on this earth. He suffered like no one else. We cannot even begin to imagine the agony that he had to withstand. Whatever comes our way here on earth is nothing compared to what came his way. Lord's Day 10 is a beautiful Lord's Day. It is so comforting. For he we have, here we have a summary of God's word as to how he deals with his children through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Almighty God who created all things is our faithful God and Father, and no creature, as it says in the Catechism, shall separate us from his love. And that statement is right from the Bible, from Romans 8. The Catechism tells us further, how complete his control is. It says that all creatures are so completely in God the Father's hand that without his will, none of his creatures can so much as move a muscle. Isn't that hard to believe? Yes, it is. But it is true. It is God's word. You can do nothing without him. And Job once again had to hear that from God. He had to hear his voice. He had to hear that our almighty God is in control of all things, who is also his heavenly Father. Brothers and sisters, you once again heard the voice of God from this pulpit. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to him and he says that he is in control of everything also in the midst of pain and suffering. And he will see you through it all. He is our faithful Father in heaven. Amen.